Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm really excited about today's guest. She is Lena Nebel, and she's the COO of BFG Financial Advisors. So today's talk is going to be all about financial planning for empty nesters, navigating finances as a couple. She's going to talk about resiliency and thriving as a female in a male-dominant industry, and I'm really excited to have her on the show. So, Lena, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, tell people your backstory, how you got started, what you do now, and we'll dive right into it. Sure. That'd be great. Uh, so, I've actually always been in the financial uh, services industry. I formed the first investment club with my college, which was fantastic. And I noticed, uh, you know, looking back, I noticed that I was the only female that was in the investment club and that would go to the exchanges and everything. And then when I got, uh, you know, my first internship and started working, I really noticed uh, the lack of visibility that females had, which is why now I'm making a concerted effort to, um, you know, whether it's involved in different mentorship activities and everything for young women uh, to kind of talk about uh, having those different careers in the financial industry. Um, but I've always been in this field. I love it. Uh, I interned with a stockbroker, so I got to see kind of the Wolf of Wall Street environment, realized that was not for me. Uh, and then I eventually uh, started working for a financial planning firm and I got to see all aspects of planning. And I know you cover a lot of that in your podcast, just through different types of strategies, whether it's tax or estate or real estate, um, and all of that appealed to me. So, um, you know, right now, uh, our firm is based uh, right outside Baltimore, Maryland. There's about 20 of us. Um, I'm one of the owners of the firm. And what we do is we really focus on the, the family uh, financial planning. So whether it's working with the grandparents, the parents, the kids, et cetera, uh, we have a lot of diversity on our team, which is great. So regardless of um, your age or your background or your experience, you know, there's somebody that can probably meet you where you are in your life. Uh, and, you know, when I think of our, our mission and vision statement, you know, we talk about financial freedom in our uh, mission statement and we talk about moving from financial literacy to financial freedom. So we are big advocates uh, on the financial literacy side. Oh, I love that. And if I were to do my past life, I would actually do something in the financial services industry. And um, it's, it's so amazing how, you know, school is so offbeat and doesn't talk about financial literacy or money, even though it's like so important, you know, a lot of people are struggling these days. And um, the other thing is what I love about CFPs is, um, you know, talking to a lot, there's 
you can actually specialize. So people are kind of rebranding themselves into different areas. Um, some are like dual income, no kids. Some are for other um, avenues. But you specialize in um, financial planning for empty nesters and navigating finances as a couple. So kind of talk about what are the differences for the individuals in this category, how they should be thinking about financial planning, money, et cetera. Sure. Um, you know, I, actually, I think you bring up a great point, though, about how so many uh, financial planners are trying to find their niche and they're trying to stand out. And I think you need to, because if you say that you can cater to everybody, you know, people are going to kind of get lost in the mix there. Uh, and so what we've done is really kind of look back at the types of clients that we work with um, and then also look at, OK, well, who do we get the most enjoyment out of and, and everything else? So if I have to think about whether it's uh, a profession, uh, you know, that, that type of client, you know, I, I do work with a lot of the, whether it's the C-suite, the physicians and the engineers, that kind of seems to be the, the top three categories of my, my clientele. Um, and then when you think of whether it's a, uh, an empty nester, I just um, wrote an article about, you know, kind of the, the top things that you should be doing when you're in that stage. It's, it's very different than when you're just starting out as, as a couple. You know, your, your lifestyle is completely different on what you're saving for and what your what your goals are. Um, so when you're thinking about kind of that that empty nester phase, you know, one of the things that I stress to a lot of people is, you know, start to think about what you want that next next stage to be and start planning for that that next stage, you know, while you're working and everything, you know, don't wait to do the home improvements two months before you're putting the house on the market. Uh, do the home improvements now so you can enjoy it, you know, things like that where it's very different when you're first starting out, you're thinking of, okay, well, how do I save for a house and how do I do these, these different things? Um, and that's why I like, you know, with BFG, uh, we basically have what I would say two lines of service. We have kind of the, the financial planning for all, where when I, if I have to think of, you know, kind of the physician lifestyle, think about where you were, you know, right out of medical school and everything um, versus where you are now. Right. So financial planning for all, we'd be able to, you know, kind of help those individuals in dealing with whether it's a student loan debt or evaluating job options and everything compared to, you know, you're 30 years into the profession. Um, you've built a, a great practice and everything, a lot of savings. OK, so on the private wealth side, these are now the, the different things that you have to think about. Uh, so it's it's nice to being able to have those those areas, whether it's with me or a member on our team uh, to be able to kind of cover the gamut of somebody's uh, of, of their lifestyle. And, you know, I, I, I get to the point to where I realize I'm one of the older advisors now. So I, I have uh, more life experience than I thought I'd have. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, so I kind of um, break it down, you know, before marriage uh, as a couple and then after the kids move out. So what conversations should couples have before they get married? Uh, there's actually quite a bit of conversation that they should be having surrounding finances. Uh, mm -hmm. It's I always make the joke when my husband and I um, actually first when we got married. Um, that's when I think it was like a week after we got married. I said, OK, it's time to start applying for life insurance and let's get our estate plan done. And he's like, whoa, whoa. And I'm like, this is, this is, these are the things that we have to do. Um, but before you get engaged. I would say that the main conversations that you need to have is getting comfortable in talking about your finances, talking about what does your debt look like? How do you how do you spend? Um, how much do you make? Do you have these types of benefits? Like what's important to you? Um, and there's a lot of behaviors when we're in our 20s 
that we can easily adjust later in life. But when you're in your 50s, it's kind of hard to adjust it at that point. Um, but to be able to have that conversation, you know, it's, it's surprising to know how many of my friends, my peers, really don't know how to um, look at their bank accounts because, you know, their partner is the one handling that, you know, the money goes in and they just use the card. And so, uh -huh. you know, being able to have those conversations in your 20s, that's crucial. Uh, and then I shouldn't say just in your 20s, but as a couple uh, just starting out. And then when you're obviously starting to plan that life, what does that life look like? You know, are we comfortable living in the city or are we comfortable living in the suburbs? Because obviously the the quality of life is going to change, that the standard of living is going to be different and how we're going to, to pay for these items, the mortgage, et cetera. Um, so by starting the conversation in the beginning, obviously um, a lot of people these days, uh, you know, they move in together before they get married, which is a great starting point of, you know, other than the argument over the dishes and things like that, but it, it gets you used to, okay, we're going to, to spend together, right? We're sharing in the rent and the utilities, et cetera. But what people then do is one of them tends to buy the house and they're not yet married. So we talk to those individuals about not necessarily putting together uh, a prenup because that still has, you know, kind of the, that's a bad word right before you get married. Um, but talking about the importance of having some type of legal document surrounding that house. If, if one person is, it has that house in their name and they end up breaking up because it does happen, but somebody has been, putting payments to the mortgage or they've been uh, putting payments towards whether it's home improvements and things like that. How do I get my money back? Okay. So having those types of conversations are difficult, but they're important to have. Um, and then obviously they, they're getting married and then they're, if they want to have a family, um, you know, what does that look like? Is somebody going to continue to work? Do we need to talk about daycare savings? And then there's all the tax planning associated with that too. And then obviously as they're building their wealth and their life together, um, then that's when you can kind of build on from the uh, kind of the literacy side, the education, you're starting to build your net worth. You're starting to kind of create that foundation. Um, and it's usually in those years when you can, um, you know, have some excitement in your planning and, and uh, leverage different types of strategies and everything because you have kind of the basis covered. It's like I mentioned, it's financial literacy to financial freedom. Um, and so you kind of got to start with the do we know how to manage our credit card debt before you can have the more complex investing questions? Yeah, it's quite interesting. And you brought up a lot of points because, you know, that the number one reason why couples separate or get divorced is because of money and then kids. So it's, you know, it's really important to have, you know, the same values around money. And what I, what, what's curious is, um, you know, I had another CFP on my podcast and he, focused on um, dual income, no kids. Mm -hmm. But now I'm actually seeing a new trend among Gen Z millennials where they are electing not to get married. They don't want to get married, but they want to, you know, they want to have a partner or whatnot. So well, how does that change? Because, you know, because the, the reasoning is like your divorce rate is over 50% and it's most likely, and then you're going to lose over half your assets. So why take that financial risk? Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, that's a great question. Um, and it's an interesting trend that's been happening. And I think a lot of it has to do with kind of their upbringing. They may have more than likely they've come from that divorced family and they just don't want to experience 
to experience that, quite honestly. Uh, and what I think about is I think about a lot of our clients are same-sex couples. And mm. years ago, prior to the law being changed, um, it was a similar situation, right? What are what are the, the challenges, the pitfalls that we have to be aware of? Um, what could be some opportunities when the law changed? So when you think about uh, that generation who's electing not to get married, there is some financial obstacles that they have to get over, you know, and it really depends on those two individuals' careers and their benefits. You know, people talk a lot about the employer benefits and if you're a couple or not. And you think about it um, when somebody has a job change, it's like, oh, well, should we go on the, their medical insurance or should I stay on our medical insurance? That's always one of the, the top questions. Um, but that's one area that people have to uh, pay attention to. There's also a lot of rules, as you're aware of, um, regarding spousal beneficiaries on different types of retirement accounts. You know, spousal beneficiaries are more friendly than the non-spousal beneficiaries. So having to understand what all of those rules are um, and being able to minimize that type of tax impact should somebody pass away. And then of course, outside of you know just the, the normal uh, uh, different types of health benefits and everything, there's then social security claiming strategies that you can use. So it's a different type of planning because you're not able to do certain strategies. It doesn't make one better than the other. Uh, as I always tell clients, you know, there's the financial answer for everything and then there's the comfort decision. And so if you're comfortable um, staying as partners, but not having it, you know, legal, basically, um, then these are the things that we have to be aware of. And then sometimes there's uh, strategies in which we can kind of get around some of those rules. And so that's when advisors can get creative and how to leverage whether it's life insurance or trust and, um, you know, kind of make it meet what their needs are, which uh, honestly, that's the best part of my job is there's no one size fits all. It's you're, you're customizing somebody's path, somebody's goals and, and, and everything or their plan to meet those goals. And sometimes it's non-traditional and that's okay. I mean, that's what makes it exciting, what makes everybody different. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, we kind of touched upon, you know, before and then kind of during and, one, the other question is, um, uh, after the kids move out, how does that um, affect couples' financial behavior? And you talk about financial planning for empty nesters, which is interesting because I, I thought they might be planning prior to that, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. No, that's a, a good question because with the empty nesters, you know, so many times I meet with clients where, you know, they're kind of in the thick of it, right? They, they can't see past next month they're paying the current bills they're putting the kids through whether it's private education or putting them through college and they can't focus on the next few years and i always tell them you're great long term you know you're diligent in your savings we got the right strategies in place we just have to get kind of the short term to make you feel more comfortable and and uh, some breathing room so once that tuition is done that last tuition payment the feeling of you see it, I mean, and they feel it. So then we all of a sudden have surplus cash flow. And that's when things get fun. Because now we're not making the 40 or $50,000 a year tuition payments. So how are we going, you know, what are we going to do with this extra money now, which is which is a lot of fun. Um, so empty nesters tend to spend more. They take those vacations, they do those home improvements, they all the things that have been on their wish list, they are coming up. And there's the new cars and the this and the that. Um, but they're also thinking, well, is my kid going to go to grad school? Are they going to be able to get a job? Are they coming back home? 
you know, that's obviously a big item that's happening right now is we're planning now for somebody to retire. We're not really planning on taking care of their kids through retirement too. So still kind of having that as part of the perspective um, and making sure that they're still going to be financially okay if they decide to to assist, um, you know, the children and everything. Um, but it's just taking advantage of some opportunities. So sometimes they're, they need to catch up. If they're not on track, we use that time period to really catch up on um, their retirement savings. And the, the important part is to educate the client along the way. So it's not a surprise that they need to save more money when the kids are out of college. So by, by laying it out in writing and reminding them year after year, you know, once your son graduates college, this is where this tuition payment is going to go. This is how we're going to direct this money to get you on track or to get you to those goals that we've been planning on. Um, but there's also, you know, you're think about if you have children and they're, you know, 13 years old versus when they're 24. They're going to have different money habits. They uh, think about the world in a different way. And you may decide to update your estate plan because they're older. A lot of parents forget to do that. You know, we review estate documents annually. We show clients annually their beneficiary designations, who all their responsible parties are, which is crucial because the 13-year-old that's now 24, you may think, you know what, I, th I think they're okay to have the money out right now versus how you originally had it, which was in trust at age 25, 30, and 35. Um, or maybe we need to push that back longer because they're not ready to handle that money. Um, so it is important, you know, from uh, just as an example, from a state planning perspective, as your kids get older, there's going to be some additional planning. So planning r never really stops, in my opinion. Yeah, I love that. And, um, you know, what's interesting is, uh, so in my mind, you know, analogous to, you know, how physicians specialize in different fields, like it's interesting to see how, CFPs, they kind of focus and specialize in other fields as well, um, which actually brings us to kind of near the end, but you talk about, so, you know, kind of financial industry, you know, Wall Street, all that is kind of a male dominated, but you, you actually thrive and you talk about for the female listeners out there, how a woman can succeed in this male dominated space. So kind of throw out your thoughts and, you know, um, suggestions and all of that. Yeah, I think it's actually very similar to the medical community. You know, you you traditionally see a lot of male doctors, not as many female doctors. Um, there are now, but, you know, probably 10, 15 years ago, um, they're, you know, mostly female nurses, not doctors. Um, and so the same is true in the financial industry. And, and uh, you know, we are very fortunate to be part of a very uh, supportive team and creating a very a diverse team and that we have won awards over the past couple of years regarding um, the empowering women in the financial services field, whether it's through uh, advocacy, mentorship, et cetera. And the, you know, the, the piece of advice that I have for any type of um, uh, females out there who are getting into an industry um, that tends to be a little bit more male dominated, um, find an ally, find a mentor. And, and the ally and the mentor, they don't have to be female. I have, um, you know, one of my best allies is a male. Um, he's our CEO, Eric Brotman. And, uh, you know, sometimes you need those male allies to help open the door. And it's up to you to determine, you know, to show this is why I deserve to be in this room. This is why I deserve to sit at the table. But having the, the mentorship opportunities, um, finding the allies is crucial, um, and then giving it back. 
you know, being an ally for others and being a mentor um, for others because our culture has not changed from that perspective. You know, when I, when I think about getting in the industry over 20 years, you know, 20 years ago, um, you know, it's gotten better, but we still have a long way to go to, to make some changes. So I'm, I'm happy to have the opportunity to speak on podcasts like this and others um, to talk about, you know, why it's so important to, to have some more diversity uh, within this field. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, that's why we need trailblazers such as yourself, kind of people doing things on the cutting edge, coming onto this podcast, getting the word out, raising awareness and um, kind of changing the narrative, challenging the narrative. Um, how can people contact you, follow you, reach out to you, et cetera? Sure. Um, the best place is just right on our website, uh, BFGFA. Dot com, um, and from there, you can see our team and then all of our different social media links and everything as well. Yeah, and I really enjoyed this conversation, just uh, getting different perspectives. And all of Lena's resources will be in the links and show notes. Be sure to check all of her uh, social media links, website, etc. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. you are listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week